Welcome to the Emergency to Emergence minicast, produced by Sterling College. I'm Nakasi Fortune. And I'm Dakota Lacroix. Join us as we spend a few more minutes with our guests, lifting up the people, expressions, and materia that inspire or nourish them. In these brief interludes, we'll connect with our listeners, our guests, and the thinkers, authors, artists, and activists who are not only engaging in ecological thinking and action, but also fostering community-engaged responses that offer hope. Joining us again today is Farley Brown. And Farley, from our conversation last week, we spoke about a range of things from watersheds to land use to macroinvertebrates in our rivers and and what they're telling us about the health of the rivers. And we touched just briefly on the concept of and practice of environmental justice. And I know that that's a huge topic and requires its own podcast by itself. Um, For all this brilliant work that you do and that you have done, who are some of the thought leaders that have motivated you or are currently motivating you along this journey? My my reading goes back, oh, in time, over time. I Reading that um, has been inspirational to me. That's it, really been stories that people have told about their own experiences. What comes to mind right off the bat is Aldo Leopold and the writing of the Sand County Almanac. Mm-hmm. And it's really his awareness of the need for conservation and for us to cultivate our land ethic. And I, having worked with Fish and Wildlife and the Forestry Department here in Vermont, people quote Leopold all the time. And there's a reason for that, because he was able to articulate back in the 30s um, and 40s really what it meant for us to understand our relationship to the land and what we need to do to be true stewards of the land. And again, a lot of that is through observation, and a lot of that is through just um, a deeper understanding. For him, it was a lot around um, the relationship between predator and prey. In his um, piece on thinking like a mountain, he talks about the idea of killing wolves because there was the thought that they were threatening um, his deer that he was trying to, that he was hoping to get in his next hunt. But recognizing that without the predator on the landscape, the prey um, can get out of control and destroy the, um, the local ecosystem. So it's, it's really important for people to be aware of their surrounding environments and to share those observations with others. The other person that I found has been really instrumental in my um, in helping me have a better understanding about water is Alice Atwater. She wrote the book Water: A Natural History, and within her book, she goes way back into the 14th century and talking about the extensive use of um, or actual um, hunting of fur-bearing animals by the the elite people who were living, kings and queens who were living in big drafty castles who that needed to wear coats, clothing that were made out of thousands and thousands of um, ermines in one particular case. So her work is both a historical perspective, but then also looking at the current day issues around wastewater and also um, just land use in general. That was really ins- inspirational for me. She wrote that in 1996. 
I was just going to say there's so many other books that are out there, so much work that's being done. Um, most recently, I've been really fascinated by the amount of um, awareness that people are gaining uh, around beavers, beavers who are ecological engineer or ecosystem engineers, and they play an cr- incredible role on the landscape. And so our better understanding of how can we live with beavers in our backyard or in our, next to our roads, and what are some of the tools and techniques that we can use that um, can help the beaver to thrive, and at the same time, property damage not occurring. So there are some really cool mm. techniques like beaver deceivers and beaver bafflers and things that towns and road crews can actually put in place to keep beavers out of culverts and thus protecting our, our local infrastructure. So those those efforts are really important. One of the most amazing documentaries I just saw um, was The Octopus Teacher. Oh, yes. And what a mm. great, great um, documentation of a fellow's observation of this particular octopus amongst the uh, within the coral reef. And I believe they the octopus was identified as female, and that she, uh, just the role that she played in terms of creating um, a habitat for other species, but then also just the fascinating uh, behavior patterns that um, that an octopus might have in terms of um, getting away from predators or, or uh, getting access to food or their habitat needs in general. Beautiful, beautiful film and just yeah, a yeah. really a great uh, observation of a world that many of us don't get to experience, and that being on the coral reef. You kind of took the words out of my mouth, but I was going to ask you, Farley, are there any organizations that can have us thinking like a mountain or an octopus or a river that might build our communities further? Mm-hmm. Watershed associations, they are around the world. Um, they oh, yeah. are so okay. critical to be to get involved with watershed associations um, are really important. I've seen this down in Billy's in the Monkey River watershed, um, where they actually now have a watershed association um, that where they're going to try, they're actually working on reestablishing certain fish species um, that have been over-harvested over time, uh, addressing uh, sedimentation coming in from citrus plantations um, mm. you know, by creating buffers and so forth. Anyway, so that's a, an example of a very small village in a corner of Belize where the local people are actually taking action. Um, their, their awareness of the river as an ecosystem, as a source of uh, food and sustenance for themselves also is... Um, yeah, it's just a great example of people becoming involved in their local watershed. So I believe that everybody should find out their who their where is their watershed association. Um, yeah. yeah, that's really critical. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Yeah, I just I want to speak to the environmental justice and issue. In being involved in environmental justice issues, um, it, a lot of it has to do with you know, just doing the homework and better understanding the different communities. One of my um, heroes is Majora Carter, who uh, started the South Bronx um, group that where they actually worked on greening the ghetto. So following somebody like Majora Carter, somebody who I've followed for some time, um, 
I think that's really important. And it, it adds to that work that people need to do. You know, finally, it's always such a pleasure to talk to you, to learn from you and yes, have yes. you share all of the, the, the things th that you've learned over the years. You are such an incredible soul. And Dakota, don't, don't put that on the podcast when you're doing, cut that out, the, the part out. But I am so- What are you so talking about? That's, that, <laughs> no, I, I'm, I, I feel gifted to be able to witness that right. and, have, and have an excuse to talk so to Farley. So yeah. please, and no, I, I'm and not I think, cutting that out. And I think more people need to hear the work that Farley and so many of our other Sterling faculty and, and, and the people that we're in community with, I think people need to hear the work that they're doing because it's such important and vital work. And not only the work that they're doing, but the people that they're learning from and getting inspiration from, that too is, is equally as important. So thank you so much for, for sharing with us who your inspirations are and who, who we should be following and why we should be following them. And, and you know, just sharing a little glimpse of what it is that they do in their own part of the world and, and the pieces that they've written. So thank you, Farley. I want to also say thank you for this opportunity and that um, there are people like you, my students, the students at Sterling College that inspire me every day. So thank you. And before we come to a close, Sterling acknowledges that the land on which we gather, places now known as Vermont and Kentucky, are the traditional and unceded territories of several indigenous peoples. The Abenaki in the north and the Shawnee, Cherokee, Chickasaw and Osage people to the south. We also learn in and from a range of landscapes that belong to other indigenous peoples in more than human kin. As we seek deep reciprocal relationships with nature, we respect and honor the place-based and cultural wisdom of indigenous ancestors and contemporaries. Words of acknowledgement and intention are just the first step. We must match them with acts of respect and repair. Thanks so much for listening. You can subscribe to Emergency to Emergence wherever you listen to podcasts. And a very special thanks to Sterling alum Fern Maddy for her musical creations. For more information on how Sterling is advancing ecological thinking and action, visit www.sterlingcollege.edu. If listening has prompted something new to emerge in you, we invite you to share your thoughts as a written message or voice recording, which you can send to podcast at sterlingcollege.edu. Until next time, this is Emergency to Emergence.